0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, So today we have an interesting topic. We're going to talk about rebuking, and that's a word we rarely use uh, in church life. It's probably rarely seen in church life, or if you do see it, you're probably going to know, like, well, what the heck is all this rebuking about? Uh, So we're going to kind of tackle this topic of rebuking what it is, what it isn't, and everything in between. And as always, I have uh, Micah joining me. So Micah, welcome back to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I don't know if I've got the title of co-host yet, but we're getting there. Getting We're close. getting there.
0: I mean, I might take. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say co-host sometime. <laughs> Maybe i no, will forget I'm, and then you have to. I'm giving you, no. I, I'm giving you a hard time
1: because I'm giving you a hard time because I think that you uh, you said I had to get like ten episodes in or something. I don't even remember what we said. This is. Why
0: I don't I, know. I mean, it could have been like two episodes, and it would have been fine. I just keep again. showing up get...
1: to talk about it. So you I'm just good. show
0: up and talk. There you go. You're readily available. That's what we'll say. You're readily available to talk. <laughs> yeah, we usually right. record
1: these episodes on Monday and. You know, I'm off on Mondays, so it works out for me
0: exactly. Good, good. So, um, so as we're talking about this topic of rebuke, uh, Micah, how would you define rebuke to somebody?
1: Calling somebody out on something that, that you don't, you know, approve of or don't agree with. Is that okay. a good, I mean, that's fair. I, I would. Say I think fair.
0: that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. And I think, you know, when we think about what we see in the scriptures, you know, there's a lot of times where we see people calling out something that they particularly see something as wrong, something that they don't approve of something that can be sinful. Um, just kind of scrolling through, there's a, um, a dictionary of biblical themes and, uh, And how they define rebuke is they say rebuke is a verbal expression of blame. And it says, Scripture gives examples of both divine and human rebuke. Sometimes God issues rebukes directly, but more commonly, he did so through the Old Testament prophets. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ and the apostles issued rebukes and teach the church how to address those who sin. So that is their kind of definition of rebuke. It's basically a verbal expression of blame that usually either comes from the divine, like a God, or people who were inspired by the divine, like the prophets, uh, Jesus, the apostles. Uh, so we kind of see this, um, this idea of rebuke. And basically, in the New Testament, not only do we see uh, the New Testament writers rebuke, Um, things that were happening in the church, but then they're also trying to teach the church how to rebuke as well. So with that idea of the apostles trying to teach the early church how to rebuke, do you think that those lessons or those skills that the apostles taught the early church, do you think that those uh, lessons have made their way to our modern church or has the modern church lost on how to rebuke?
1: I don't think so, um, but I think churches do it differently now. So, so how we, so? Um, in, in reference to tr- or staff people, pastors, or lay people, or both.
0: All of the above. <laughs> Let's start with staff. Let's go with staff. Okay. We'll, we'll
1: start. So, there. so Google um, when I uh, googled the the definition of rebuking. Um, they get their uh, definitions from the Oxford language dictionary online, and they said rebuking, expressing sharp disapproval or criticism. He has been praised for raising important issues in a soft manner rather than rebuking, uh, th- rather than a rebuking tone. Um, it also goes on to use it in, as a noun it says the expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. So mm. um, pastors are criticized all the time. Mm. Right. They're criticized for, for, you know, we talked about this in, in in another episode where we talked about, you know, 10 things you should never say to your pastor, but like, um, had to get that cheap plug in there, but, um, <laughs> but the, uh, the idea of, you know, people in the churches that are not happy with your performance. And so mm. they're, audit- they're going to, they're going to, you know, cast stones at you because they're not happy with your performance, whether that's. They don't like what you're preaching. They don't like how you're preaching. You didn't shake somebody's hand. You didn't
0: uh, wear a tie,
1: wear a tie, you wore jeans, Uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, you didn't preach long enough. You preached too long. You didn't sing enough hymns. You sang too many contemporary songs. You put a video in the service. You didn't take my prayer request. You didn't come visit me in the hospital, Uh, you know, and You know, those are all different things where they could be, uh, you know, rebuking or criticizing um, you as the pastor. And like, even as associate staff or extended staff within Mm -hmm. a ministry, same thing with the worship pastor, creative arts pastor, like they could be criticized because of the way they lead worship. They could be criticized for how many songs they do. Are they too Pentecostal? Are they not Pentecostal enough? Do they pray? Mm -hmm. Do they not pray enough? How do they pray? How many songs? Are we standing too long? Do we have enough video stuff? Like, it's one of those things where you're not doing, you know, uh, one of the points in that article we shared a couple of weeks ago was like, you know, you're not meeting my needs. This, yeah. This being the, the, the lay people to the pastor, the pastoral staff, it's like, you know, I think that's also being critical. You know, we mm. could take that as criticism. But it's also like, how do you deal with that criticism, right? Like, are you, are you listening to those people and their needs? Or are they being too critical or are they right or are they wrong? Like how, how, how do you respond to that? So like in reference to, um, pastors and staff, I would say it's, it's criticism on how you do, you know, corporate worship and then even, you know, business within the church, you know, let's just say on a weekly basis. And then, and then in reference to, um, to lay people, you know, you talked also Scott in that article that we shared a couple of weeks ago about like gossiping, for example, um, you know, so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that. And like, you know, who would do such a thing like that? Or, you know, like people being critical of each other. I think another a great word instead of rebuking is criticism for being critical of somebody. Right. Mm. And so mm. I think that you know, we can be critical. We can be so critical, and we get can get so stuck in the mundane of like, um, is this good enough, or are they good enough, or is he or she good enough? Like, what would Jesus do in that circumstance? Right? Like, yeah, would welcome everybody of every race, every creed, every background, every you know, you name it, and um, you know people people have their faults and people people are different and it's we could go any direction with this right like i i just think that you know
0: well and i think you bring up well yeah i'm gonna not to interrupt no 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 go ahead Go ahead. But no, I I mean you bring up it you bring up an interesting point because we talk about criticism and we talk about rebuke and it seems like in kind of going question you know is the modern church rebuking and we say well yeah especially if we look at the Google definition and even if we look at the Bible uh, the Bible the dictionary of biblical themes it's basically a a verbal expression of blame so if the pastor you know if the pastor's not meeting my needs well then you're going to Offer a verbal expression of blame, which definitely would fit the definition of rebuking. However, is that, like you said, you know, is this what, how would Jesus respond to that? How would Jesus do it? And I think the way Jesus and the apostles and the prophets and even God, when he would directly do spiritual rebukes, it was. It wasn't necessarily God in this big booming voice going down to Ezekiel and saying, Ezekiel, stop tying yourself down and re- cooking your food over cow dung. You'd have to wear a tie and a suit when you're prof-. like, like, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't God's rebuke of Ezekiel or anything. Um, and I think that's where we kind of, I think, in our modern Western Christian context is when it comes to rebuking we see rebuking as criticism, which it is. At the same time, there's always kind of this ebb and flow to rebuking. If I rebuke you, there has to be a response to the rebuke. And I think going back to, looking back at how Jews, when they would, interpret the text and something that I've learned years ago is that if someone has a certain interpretation of a particular Old Testament text and they are teaching that or they're saying here's this interpretation and if there are flaws with it another rabbi would then confront the person and then they kind of have this back and forth and um, and almost to the point where it's almost like a rap battle, like a theological rap battle where they're just going back and forth, almost to the point where they're like face to face, like in each other's spaces. And eventually it gets to the point where when someone makes a point where someone listens to it and they go, you know, this person's right. They kind of say, you know, I need to go back and reassess things. And then that's when kind of the rebuking cease. And there's nothing damaging about it it's more of like are we being good stewards of how we were interpreting the inspired text of God and that's from a Jewish perspective so when I think about church issues from whether it's did you did pastor wear a tie on Sunday or is there somebody within the church that's dealing with a sinful situation And the pastor or the church leadership needs to kind of deal with it before it spirals out of control and not only damages that person and that person's relationships, but even the church in general, the body at large, you know, how do you tackle those situations in a way where not only are you rebuking, but you're doing so so that there is a change or there is a transformation where there is a sense of healing that comes from this rebuking. Is that a question? <laughs> uh, that, it's a statement, but I'm kind of yeah. pausing for your thoughts. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> I, don't I think, think I it, asked the question. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's good. Um, I also think that uh in 2022, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we are just so driven on what is going wrong mm. like we don't take time to reflect on that because we always fixate on what's the next thing that's wrong or what's the next thing that somebody's doing wrong and um we're like you said we you brought up the western society but like the western world uh, is heavily um, inundated with that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. what, what have you done wrong point the finger point the finger point the finger however what have you learned from that experience? yeah, right? And like one of my favorite passages um was in john eight when when the woman was caught in adultery, right? Oh, yeah. and so like uh I pulled it up in, in my Bible and have a lot of that text highlighted, but um specifically in um, verses six verse six, they said they said that they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him, him being Jesus. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger and continued on the ground. Uh, and they they continued to ask him. He stood up and said to them, Let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. Talking about the woman to be caught in the adultery. It mm-hmm. yeah. goes on in verse 10 to say, They stood up. Uh, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, uh, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go from now and sin no more. Like, that's a great illustration of like people being critical of somebody and then Jesus playing the mediator that he was and showing that there's grace and forgiveness. And there's something on the other side of that to be learned from what's going on. And they, I feel like they wanted to stone her because they were so dependent on the old law. But at the same time, I think they were just so, power hungry and almost served as a power grab to be the first ones to criticize her for what they have done, even though that they have all sinned, they have all struggled with things of their own. I mean, the story doesn't illustrate that or talk about that, but at the same time, we all screw up. Right. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it just blows my mind that people are so critical and I'm guilty of this too, being critical of people and critical of things and critical of this and critical of that there, I don't take the time to like say, you know what, what can I learn from this Lord show me something that I can learn from Mm -hmm. this moment. And maybe I need to drop the rock. And so it, it can go a number of different ways, but like, I, it's almost like Christianity, Christianity is put up on this pedestal that once you found Jesus, once you've given your life to Jesus, that it's just like this, Right. And like, there's this big pompom circumstance of like, Oh, you're perfect. You're saved. You're a Christian and everything's going to be great. No, no, it's not right. Like you're yeah. still going to stub your toe in the middle of the night and you're probably going to say a not so nice word. You're probably, you know, somebody's going to spill coffee on you and you're not going to be happy about that. You're going to have conflicts with people at work. You're going to, you know, the grocery store, somebody took the last roll of paper towels. I, you name it people are not going to be happy and so like going back Mm -hmm. to this whole topic of rebuking you know i think rebuking in the modern modern age the modern day you know Mm -hmm. in 2022 is just is is people being critical of each other but how can i think we need to take that a step further and how can we learn from that right like if there's a conflict if we believe somebody's not doing something right if we believe somebody's living in sin if we believe that uh you know it's it's not a perfection thing, and a, and a lot of, a lot of times, Scott, you and I are both Church of God pastors. We're both ordaining in the Church of God. Church of God prides itself on holiness, and that that's a yeah. whole other topic and a whole other podcast. But mm-hmm. you know, holiness doesn't mean perfection. Yeah, and Paul even talks about that in Scripture, like trying to gain and trying to learn and achieve holiness and achieve what it is to be like Jesus, knowing that he's never going to achieve that in the long run. Like he can yeah. try he can, he can practice and he can, you know, continue to learn and and progress in his walk, in his ministry and in his Christianity. And, you know, as his Christ following, or that's not the right term, but as his, as being a Christian and a Christ follower, like he's going to continue to learn and continue to pursue and continue to push to be better. And I think, I think rebuking, you know, the word rebuking just sounds bad, right? It just, it <laughs> sounds like, you know, nobody's going to use the word rebuking in 2022, but yeah if we, the word critical, critical thinking, criticism, you know, we have a lot of that and uh, we, we just don't, I think we need to think of it in that light. And then also what can we learn from that experience in in those moments?
0: And it's, it's interesting because you use the word critical and critical thinking. And, and when I think of being critical, you know, that's kind of seeing a flaw in somebody and I'm going to point it out and kind of in a way, kind of cast the first stone in some ways when i think of critical thinking this is kind of that idea where it's like you know i could look at somebody and go okay there's something that they're doing but then i can think about it critically and go okay well yeah i think this kind of goes back to when jesus talks about judgment in um in the sermon on the mount where he says you know before you point out the before you judge another person you know first um, you know, look at yourself. And then he gives that analogy, like, you know, you may point out the speck in your brother's eye, but you may have a log in your own eye. And and kind of, I like to call that, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of, uh, kind of a discipline. But um, it was interesting that you brought up the scriptures too, because when we think about um, rebuking, a lot of times we see, again, if we're talking about, church life and spirituality, you know, the scriptures are filled with moments of rebuke from either, I mean, either whether it's God rebuking people, uh, whether it's prophets rebuking people, um, you know, even thinking, you know, just right off the top of my head, you know, I think about uh, the prophet Samuel rebuking Saul for offering up the sacrifice that he was supposed to do, but Saul ended up doing it and there was a harsh rebuke there, you um, you know, you can look at basically all the letters that Paul wrote to the church, and really those letters are primarily letters of rebuke. Um, but what's what's significant about the Apostle Paul and how he approached rebuking of the church, he always starts off his letters by how much he thanks God for the church, and he talks about everything that the church is doing right?
1: And everything you are, you guys are
0: doing this great stuff. You guys are doing great. However, there are some issues that were brought to my attention that I need to address. So he addresses these issues. And then he goes on to talk. It's almost like he gives good praise. Then he gives the rebuke. Then he kind of closes everything out with a prayer for them, but also kind of gives them back a praise again, going, guys, I know you guys can do that. You got to, again, cling on to Jesus. Follow his teachings. Do those things. Do the thing. Obey the things that I'm teaching you as someone who is in the Lord, so that you do not falter. Um, and I think more commonly when we think about rebuke, we always think about um, what's written in Second Timothy, especially Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures is, is inspired by God, and he, and is useful for uh, teaching, for rebuking, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then we can go to 2 Timothy 4.2. It says where he's writing, Paul writes to Timothy, Proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. And I think when we look at the time of that idea of rebuke, there's something where it's there's criticism or calling out something that we see in someone that, we don't like, or maybe there's a behavior modification that needs to happen, but there's also do it in love and do it in patience. And I think that's one of the things that's vital because I know a lot of times, again, being a pastor, there's times where someone has a rebuke against me for whether I did something wrong or whether there was a, mis- a, a misinterpretation or something like that it's never done in love or with gentleness. It's always like, you did this. How dare you do this? You know, I'm leaving the church or or I'm going to the board and I'm going to ask for your removal. Or it's just very, it's very done so in a way that doesn't really show any type of patience or gentleness or love. It's almost, It's almost like, Let me, let me take a step back. When I think of rebuke, the whole purpose of rebuke that I see in the Bible really is geared towards making sure that that individual who is doing something wrong or is sinning, that they do not wander away from the faith, that they do not, they are not subjected to hellfire, but that they are, they take the rebuke, They have the change, they confess their sins, and then they are won over back into the church. And I think there's, um, uh, I think it's, um, yeah, James 5, uh, 19 through 20, where it says, My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you shall know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So there's this idea of if I see something, Let me rebuke them. And then if they change and they come back, then that's really the goal of rebuking is for a change. And the only way that's going to happen is if the person you're rebuking changes. And I think a lot of how that person changes really depends on the person who is doing the rebuking, how they approach that rebuke. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Yeah,
1: that's I mean, and and I was going to like kind of piggyback off of that, like if uh, it's all about how you approach a situation. And I think back to like being put on a pedestal a little bit, but like, what can you learn from rebuking or criticism and are you willing to learn from rebuking or criticism? Like, like you said earlier, Scott, like you have that conversation with somebody And they learn from it, and they stop doing whatever that is, or do they continue down that path of doing those things? And you know, obviously, uh, that's (laughs) that's not a good thing. But if they've you've rebuked and were criticized, and had to come to Jesus meeting or had a moment with them where it's not, and that's the thing too. Like we keep talking about the word rebuke, and I know this is kind of the theme of this podcast, but like I feel like the word rebuke just sounds bad, and so like. Scott, you're not going to walk up to me in the hallway and go, "Micah, I'm rebuking you for not taking the trash." <laughs> I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, I don't think you're going to use that kind of verbiage.
0: No, I know? wouldn't. I would not. No. But
1: just to be clear for your, just to be clear for your listeners, um, you know, I think it's a, how do you approach that? B, will they, you know, take that criticism? and use it for the better, the betterment of who they are as, as, as Christ followers and the ministry, you know, or the church that they're going to and then see uh, are they willing to do that? And so, you know, back to scripture, like you were talking about uh, Jean, was it James five,
0: James five? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, I'm still, yeah, I'm still like in John eight. And as you were talking, like we talked about the woman who got in adultery, but later on in that same chapter in verses 31 through uh, 38, it talks about the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. right and it talks and it says so jesus said to the jews uh starting verse 31 so jesus said to the jews who had believed in him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and if you will know the truth the truth will set you free they answered him we are offspring of abraham you know back to the old law, right we are offspring of abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone how is that you say you'll become free jesus then answered to them truly truly i say to you everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, right? And then he goes on to say, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Mm. Wow. I speak of Mm. what I have seen with my father and do what you have heard from your father. Like he's just, he's asking them, have you heard from my father? He's like, are you, have you heard from God? Have you heard from God, the father? Are you like, this comes back to the rebuking thing. Like, are, you know, we're not talking about sin specifically, but like with the idea of rebuking or criticism, like you're going to somebody, you're going to a brother or sister saying you don't agree with what they're doing. And basically a lot of times, right. Is that fair to say that that's a sin? Like a lot of those things are sins, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to a brother or sister and having a conversation with them because we believe what they're doing is wrong, meaning that they are sinning, sinning against mm-hmm. God. And so, you know, if they know the truth and they rebuke of, you know, they, you know, they repent, um, you know, we're using a lot of terms this morning, Scott, I need more coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, repenting of what they're being quote unquote rebuked of or criticized of, then the truth will set them free, as Scripture says in John chapter 8.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because you you mentioned the whole, like, that verse and talk about, you know, the Father and something. It makes me think of another passage. It's in, um, actually, I think it's in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, I'm going to say. Don't quote me on this, but I think in Proverbs 3, there's this thing where it says, you know, the Lord rebukes those who he loves as a father and a son in whom he delights. And when I think about the dad, you know, there's times where if my son's doing something wrong, I have to rebuke him. I have to say, or I have to punish him and say, Hey, I don't like what you're doing. What you're doing is not right. What you're doing is actually hurting people, especially, you know, having a little sister. And again, I was an older brother. I picked on my sister all the time. My dad had to yell at me. My mom had to yell at me. Like, leave your sister alone, stop teasing her, stop bothering her, stop hurting her. And I have to do that. And if he doesn't stop, then there will be a punishment. Um, And hopefully at that point, I have to talk to him and say, hey, here's the reason why you don't do this, because it's not right. Um, And kind of going back to this idea of, you know, do, do we use the word rebuking? Well, no, but I can, I remember my first pastorate, and this is actually, I'll share the story. Um, I was preaching on Jesus's teaching on divorce and I was kind of, and the whole thing was just the idea of what did Jesus mean by divorce? Cause one of the questions I get, especially people who take the Bible literally is that idea of, well, I can't marry somebody, even though there's someone who's a Christian, but they've already been married and divorced. I can't marry that person because I'm going to be an adulterer. And it's like, well, do you understand what that means? So I did this sermon and I was teaching on it and I was teaching about how the historical context. And then I talked about in our modern day society, how so many times we kind of make all these different exceptions for who can get a divorce and who cannot get a divorce. And just before I say what I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw a disclaimer. I, it was a bivocational position. So I didn't have a lot of time to work through my sermon I was also working two other jobs plus the pastoral job. So three jobs. And there was this example of this older couple who got a divorce mainly because the wife was had dialysis. and was going to dialysis and it was to the point where they were going to have no money to live off of. Like they were going to go broke. And they didn't know what to do. And somehow somebody I don't know if it was like a lawyer friend or there's somebody who basically said, well, if you get a divorce, then the government would pay for her dialysis 100%. So they were, they were, they're convicted by that because they've been married for 80 some years or not that long, but they've been married pretty much all, a long time. So they went to go talk to their pastor about it and what the pastor said. And basically the pastor's response to them was, you're married in God's eyes it's just a piece of paper. And if this is going to help you guys in the long run, so you guys basically don't lose basically all your savings and everything and all your retirement and medical expenses, go ahead and get the divorce. So they got a divorce, but they still live together. They still, so on paper, they are divorced, but they were still married in God's eyes. And I, and the point I was trying to make in that was like, we see that even now in our society, there's so many different color grays that how do we know which is the right response to divorce? So, you know, I got done with that sermon. I'm done. I, my wife thought it was very good just to kind of talk about the complicity, the, the complications of it. I had an elder come up to me and basically said, hey, I had, I had an issue with something he said. I go, okay. And he's telling me, and he basically said, it sounded like you are saying you were for you were kind of for um, this type of divorce. And I said, well, I'm not necessarily for it against it. I basically was presenting a case on how complicated it is. And he mm-hmm. goes, oh, well, it didn't come out that way. It almost sounded like you were okay with that. And that it really bothered some people. And I go, oh, okay. So, you know, and, but the way he came and approached me to it was very in private. He was very gentle and he just said, Hey, I had a question and I, I didn't like what you said, but as we talked about it, we're like, okay. He goes, well, maybe, you know, next Sunday, it might be a good idea just to kind of kind of follow up, basically follow it up and say, Hey, here's basically was what I meant. um, You know, and just kind of, you know, clear the air so that there's no, you know, grumbling in the camp. And when it, when it came, but, When I think, when I look back on that moment, it's like, you know, I was rebuked. I took the rebuke. I said, okay, obviously, that's not what I meant. Let me clarify that. So I clarified it next Sunday and people kind of understood it. And then they kind of talked to me afterwards about it. And it was, it was fine. Like it was no big deal. No one, no one left the church over a bad sermon. (laughs) You know, no one left because they thought I said something that I didn't mean to say. And it was, it was fine. And I think that rebuke kind of helped led to an action of saying, okay, I didn't communicate this clearly. I do apologize for that. Let me restate what I meant and kind of really break it down in details so that way everybody understood what I was trying to convey in that message. And it worked fine. Now, there's other times where I've been rebuked. And as I'm being rebuked, I had to rebuke back. I mean, there was a time where people – like like you said, we don't like the pastor's haircut. We don't like his tie. And there's this big list that was brought to the elder board. And this was, you know, six years ago. And I'm reading and I'm listening to these complaints. I go, okay, and I'm listening to it. And I then I have to ask the question. All right, well, here's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And if anybody has an issue, they need to come and talk to me. And that didn't happen even according to the bylaws. That's the way it's supposed to go. And that didn't happen. And even with this letter that was written to the elder board, it says that if there is a complaint about the pastor, you need to write a letter to the elder board and two witnesses who wrote the letter need to be present in the meeting. And then I simply asked the question, okay, here's the Bible. Here's the two points in the bylaws. And right now it's just my elder board. So I said, so based on this, do the people who have a complaint, is it anybody on my elder board? And they looked at me and they said, no. And I go, okay, then why are these two people who have the complaint, why are they not here in this meeting? Because that's what it says in your bylaws. Yeah. So as I'm being rebuked, I'm rebuking back, not only using the scriptures, but even using the own operation bylaw manual and going, guys, if this is how we're supposed to do discipline in a very healthy way where we could really understand each other work through some issues we got to do things as written out and if we're not doing it if we're picking and choosing what we can do then we're not really doing the work of reconciliation here
1: yeah uh what year was the let me go i want to go back real quick what yeah what year was the the divorce thing
0: Oh, that, that would have been 2000. I want to say that was probably 2013.
1: So seven, eight years ago,
0: seven, eight years ago. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I haven't really shared a lot of my personal story on this, this podcast, yeah. but, but okay. um, my, my mom passed away in July of 21. And so it's not even been a year but my mom suffered from long-term illness. My dad's a church guy pastor and has been for 40 years. At the time, my dad was pastoring at a church in North Dakota. With my mother's illness, she had to be put into a facility that would care for her needs. But the closest facility was in St. Paul, Minnesota, which was five or six hours away from where my dad was in North Dakota. Wow. Three years ago, he moved because he took a new church in Pennsylvania. And so the plan originally when my dad took this new ministry assignment was for him to move to PA, get settled. And then they were going to move my mother to a facility in Pennsylvania. Similar situation. Um, there was two options and it's like, we've never done anything like medically on, on your show. I don't, not that I know of, I don't know that you've talked about no. any sort of, like the craziness of healthcare in in America, the, 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 the the red tape, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, my mom, because of her illness, it was going to be very, very tragic for her to move, or it was going to be fatal basically is that like any sort of like illness, right. Could just make it worse for her. So all that to say, um, They ran into a lot of uh roadblocks with trying to get her transported from Minnesota to Pennsylvania, and one of those was that if my parents weren't married, they could move her to PA easier than if they were married,
0: huh? Okay, yeah.
1: And you could probably interview my dad at some point and ask him this, Scott, but like, okay, I I don't know the logistics of it, but they said it's kind of the same deal, like, um. It's sort of like student loans, right? Mm -hmm. Like Scott, you and I both have spouses and uh, I have student loan debt. My wife has student loan debt. Scott, you're in school right now. You said your wife's finishing up school. Like if you were to consolidate your debt and then your spouse dies or you die, then that debt goes with your your spouse. It goes to your Mm -hmm. spouse, right? If you consolidate that stuff. If you keep it separate and you die, or your spouse dies, that debt goes away. So it got to the point with my dad and my mom that my dad stopped signing stuff because that debt was going to come to him. All that have to say um, there, there were talks of like, okay, if you guys weren't technically married, this process would be easier to yeah. move her from one state to the other. Now my parents had been married for 40 years and my mom was not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like she was not going to get divorced from my dad. She loved him too much. My dad loved my mom too much. And it was just, yeah. it was one of those things where like, we'll make it work. And they did. I mean, she, yeah. granted, she only lived a couple more years and my dad would go see her. They had FaceTime and technology and it was a long distance relationship. And I can't imagine being in that situation for my spouse, but they, they were able to make it work. And so, you know, we kind of got on a rabbit, we went down a rabbit Whole, mm-hmm. but yeah. all that to say, like the whole conversation of like, okay, if you guys got divorced, we could make this work easier, which I I thought was crazy because yeah, they would make it easier on her because you know she wouldn't be dependent on my dad, and the 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 legality of you know it's like filing taxes, for example, you know if you file yeah. or file separately or you know any sort of. You know, if you buy a house together, do you buy it together? Do you buy it separately you put the loan in one person's name or both of your names, like on and on all that to say, it just made it, made it incredibly difficult. And my parents made that decision to stay together and mm-hmm. make it work. Now I'm yep. not saying that that's something that I would choose, but mm-hmm. in the example of what you're um, you know, that person that came to you after you preached that sermon, like, people have to do what they have to do to make things work. Mm -hmm. Right. And who's to say they could like, let's just say, you know, somebody's 75 years old and they're married and they've been married for 40 years and they get divorced just for that, that moment. What if they get remarried, you know, Mm -hmm. after that trial, after that set of circumstances. Yeah. um, Who's to say they can't do that. And then, you know, I was going to say too. like I was looking at a verse in Hebrews and it's chapter four, and it's talking about Jesus being the great high priest And in verse 14. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect respects, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then in verse 16, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help him in time of need. mm mm-hmm. And I'm like, or I'm sorry, to find help in time of need. Mm -hmm. And, and and what I take from that, Scott, is that like, we screw up and that's, it's called accountability. We haven't thrown that word into this at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Accountability. But but like another word for rebuking is accountability.
0: Oh yeah. Like Mm
1: -hmm. if you want to hold somebody accountable, we all screw up. I was thinking about that a lot this morning before we even recorded or we even jumped on the call. I'm like, man, it's a good thing. I don't get what I deserve. Right. Mm. Because I. I'd be in hell. I'd be in the first line. I'd be first in line on the way to hell, right? Because I just, yeah. I screw up on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, getting in an argument with my wife for some stupid reason, whether it's, you know, stubbing my toe and saying a not so nice word, whether it's snapping at one of my siblings, whether it's not getting along with my dad or, or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, families are tough. Ministry's tough. Life is tough. Yeah. And nobody, nobody expects you to be perfect.
0: Yeah. And even even kind of going back with the whole idea of accountability, you know, there's been times as a working at summer camps and being a counselor and even being on staff at a church camp, you know, there were multiple, multiple times where I would talk to not only campers, but even staff members who were under me, who I was like their supervisor in some ways, who struggled with you know with with pornography. And for me, as someone who had to keep them accountable, you know, I made sure I was like their accountability partner, and I would just check on them. Hey, what's going on? I mean, I know uh, the Triple X church had this software where I would get their email and we get their email and they would download on their computer. So if they were ever looking at anything inappropriate on their computer, I would get I would get a notification. I would even get a hyperlink. Sometimes it would just be random stuff. Like it'd be like an artist on Spotify that had like a weird name or something. And it somehow it triggered that response. So half the time, like, okay, Hey man, I got this thing and I would listen to the song. Like, okay, you know, this isn't anything, but it was always good to kind of check stuff. And sometimes I'd get stuff where I'm like, okay, yeah. I need to make a phone call and say, Hey man, what happened? What's going on? And when I would do those things, you know, I never was just like, Oh, how dare you? You're working, you know, you're a Christian, you go to church. You, why are you looking at this? Or Hey, you're on staff. You're supposed to be a good example and you're struggling with this. How dare you? And it's, and to me, it's like, if I can keep someone accountable and kind of encourage them and help them to kind of get over an addiction, to the point where you know they are now sober for years and years and years, and they no longer have this issue or this temptation or this um this longing to look at pornographic material. Then, in some ways, my accountability is a, another form of rebuking, where I'm helping with the correction. Uh, that I believe there's a verse, um, you know, bear one another's burdens. And by doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. And it's like, okay, well, what does that, what does that mean? And then, of course, there's also other, there's other verses in the Bible where it says, you know, help people out, but don't get tempted yourself, you know. And and it's kind of that idea where it's like, you know, help someone out, but make sure you don't get tempted by the same stuff that they're getting tempted in. So you know, always be on your guard.
1: Well, another word I I just thought of as you were talking scott Mm -hmm. was um breakthrough
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like does rebuking have to be a bad thing right i mean yes that yes when we go to have a conversation with somebody and quote-unquote rebuke them or question what they're doing yes it can be a bad thing what they're doing but rebuking itself, the act doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I think another word for that is breakthrough. What kind of breakthrough can you have with somebody? And isn't that the gospel? And isn't that what we're supposed to do and lead people to Jesus? And if they've straight off of their relationship with Jesus, help them come back to where they are, to where they're on that kind of the straight and narrow path uh, when their focus is Jesus. And I think that the answer to that is yes, because I feel like it's very important to, to do those things. And that's where like accountability. Uh, small groups more intimate settings where you can have those moments and really talk to people about hey you know I'm struggling with with this I'm struggling with that my marriage isn't great my finances suck um, all of those things right like mm-hmm. how do you have those breakthrough moments and I think that's why small groups and more those more intimate settings like yes corporate worship is important and that's one piece of it but if somebody's really struggling and they go to a brother and sister in Christ in a small group for example or a life group, or whatever churches call them. Um, you can have those breakthrough moments, and it may not be as intimidating and it may not be as harsh in those moments and in those settings. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: So breakthrough is yeah. a great word for that, I think
0: I think so too. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's also kind of important too, that can a you know a rebuke be a judgment? Yeah. Kind of, but, but how I would define a judgment is that you're basically judging somebody just for the purpose of pointing out their wrongdoing, where I feel like rebuking in a way is I'm repoint I'm pointing out a wrongdoing in hopes of restoration, in hopes of a transformation, in hopes of having a breakthrough where finally, it's that it's good go I go back to that whole like, plank plank um teaching that jesus does you know once i remove the log from my own eye i'm now clearly able to see the speck in someone else's eye to remove it so oh, you went
1: you went on and uh you were talking about paul earlier right you yeah were talking about uh, all those letters and then like second corinthians specifically when, when he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation oh yeah like when people go through that process of being reconciled and reconciled with Christ specifically. Like it talks about it in, in second Corinthians um, five. And especially my favorite, one of my favorite verses is in verse 20 it says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal uh, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him be sin who knew no sin that in him, right there in him, we might become righteousness, the righteousness of God. And so like, once you have that moment, right. Once you have that, uh, I don't know where it kind of just clicks for you. And, you know, some of that may or may not happen with or without having the moments of rebuking or being criticized or, you know, having that accountability moment where you're saying, Hey, you know, like we should probably talk about this. We should probably have a conversation we should probably, you know, this is probably, you know, all that to say it can be fruitful. Yeah. You know, those, those moments can be very fruitful. And if they've repented and they believe what they did was wrong and, you know, they're not having that moment where uh, they've kind of strayed away from what they believe. Uh, having that moment of reconciliation is so important. It's so crucial. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's such good, like, Wow. I was kind of nervous, Scott, about this podcast, but we're getting a lot out of it, right? Like, I, seriously, you know, we the gotta whole trust topic. the
0: process. We gotta trust the process. No,
1: just like you. For your listeners, Scott texted me the other day and it's like, "I really want to do a podcast on rebuking," and I, I sat back and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but it's it's good stuff. It's it's very yeah. good stuff, and I, I think that you know it's a it's a great topic to talk about.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And guys, again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I would like to hear your your takes for those of our listeners. If you're like, man, I've had a situation where I had to rebuke someone. Do you find it easier, or difficult in our modern society? Are you struggling with how to deal with a situation or topic you know let us know feel free to either email me uh there's an email address over on my website com. you obviously, know, if, if you're on facebook and you follow the scott the scottstemmon podcast facebook page you know just feel free to leave a comment there we love to hear back from you guys uh but yeah uh this is i think this is a very interest like michael said like oh i'm worried about this i don't know what to talk about but you know there's some good content here and there's some good stuff and i think you know it's not just Me and Micah who think about this stuff and maybe have experiences where we struggle with it or how to approach it or even seen it done in right and wrong ways in our experience. I'm sure there's other of you guys out there who deal with it as well. But again, guys, we thank you so much for listening to us uh, ramble and talk about these topics. I hope you enjoy it. Again, if you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to my coffee account. That is ko-fi.com slash the Scott Stemmon Podcast. You can support me there. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll have a, another episode for you guys next week. Hope you guys have a great day. See you next week. Bye.